two sports fanatics, both with some background in MMA, looking to provide some of their thoughts on what goes on in the world of mixed martial arts. A jiu-jitsu practitioner who is not afraid to get her feet up and provide a stellar knockout or get your jits on, teams up with the Fly Guy, a karate kid turned boxer who would enjoy putting you to sleep by embracing your neck. Tie the Fly Guy. Live from your favorite podcast station, it's Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles, Laurel versus Ty, and it starts right now. Hey, FKTC crew, we are back for episode 24. The first fight night of 2022 is complete, and now we prepare for our first pay-per-view of 2022. It's fun to get things underway and just have fights back. No kidding. And I want to tell you that last week with our picks, we were a little rusty. We were. We're just a little rusty. <laughs> uh, that's what happens when we don't when we don't go for so long. I'm actually gonna even look back and yep, I knew I got that one wrong. Yep, I got <laughs> I, I know I definitely got two wrong. Um, I got two right. And then there's one that they just added at the very end. But yeah, I got three of my five picks wrong. The and I got four of four of my five picks wrong. Yeah, so. Cut, cut us some slack a little bit. We're working on getting things back. <laughs> some of them I wasn't expecting, though. So, I mean, it yeah, is what it is. Um, yeah. But let us break down what's going to happen on this week's episode. We're going to cap UFC Vegas 46 mm-hmm. uh, between Calvin Cater and Giga Chigazi. Uh, we're going to bring back our one fighter that is unknown. So for pay-per-views early on, we did one fighter that we think people should learn about ahead of t- uh, pay-per-view fights. So we're bringing that back. And of course, mm-hmm. our predictions for the main card of 270, which includes a special guest that's going to help us break down Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gan, the one and only Rhino from the Combat Sports with Rhino. He'll be joining us here soon. <laughs> I feel like every time I hear him, I should do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a big he's a big um big personality in the MMA in the MMA podcasting world. Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we got our FKTC form, like always. And then we're going to, instead of like our news, since apparently every time we announce news, it's mostly fights. And sometimes these fights end up being canceled anyways. We're going to bring in a new segment where we bring one story of the week and talk about it a little bit. And this week we're going to talk about Amanda Nunes and her departure from American Top Team. I know, right? Stay tuned. You'll want to hear our thoughts on this one, but let's go ahead and dive right in to our UFC Vegas 46 recap, which you mentioned earlier. We were rusty. We were a little rusty. Well, not too bad, but you know. Yeah. I, this, this card was kind of boring. I didn't think there were any great finishes. I think there are only two finishes that entire card. Yeah, 
kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. We we totally biffed on Chikadzi. Chikadzi. Chikadzi, yep. Yeah. We totally bit we totally biffed on Sherman. Yep. Um, my bold prediction of Maya did not go through. But I got that one right. You did. Um, and our burrito predi uh, prediction did not go through. And the only one that we got right was Brian Roybal. And even that one, that was a split decision. So <laughs> yeah. we, we, we easily could have been like completely wrong across the board. Yeah, we were bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we can dive right into it, starting with the Bill Alijo versus Joe Anderson Brito fight, which Alijo won yeah. via unanimous decision. Um, Brito was, we, we talked about, was known for his takedowns, and he was doing pretty well with them. But it was like, I would say like the second and third round, he just couldn't get anything going with it. Um, especially couldn't do much while he had them on the ground. But one of the feet, yeah. Aligo had a clear advantage, completely outstriking him. That part is not much happened this fight. It was pretty bland. Like, as you said, like too many decisions. This one was just another decision that was just eh. Yeah. Eh. So not real much to talk about on this one. If you have any, unless you have any thoughts. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> well, then. well, let's get right. Let's get right to it then. So we recorded our podcast last Thursday and they added a fight after we recorded. So I'll talk a little about that one. And it's Vichalov Burkov. First off, I'm probably am butchering that beyond anything. But I know who he beat. He beat Dakota Bush via a round one TKO. Straight liver shot to the um, straight hook that hit his liver and it was just he folded like a lawn chair basically once he got hit in that liver that was nasty uh, no one likes to be hit in the liver oh no and he <laughs> pretty much you, if you hit hard enough in the liver you pretty much have a like 99.7% chance of winning that fight you should never strive to get hit in the liver. No, not at all. You could burst your liver. Mm -hmm. that, that wouldn't would not, be good. That would not be good. That's an important organ. <laughs> but good. Um, uh, oh, I did write down that Dakota Bush was successful on the grounds, but just he could not take that liver shot. It was just a solid performance from... Archev, I think is how I'm pronouncing it. I might be butchering it, but that was a fight that was added. We didn't get to preview it because it was added as like a late replacement because the Michelle Bahia right. fight ended up being canceled. So this fight ended up taking its place. It's okay. Yeah. So we won't count that yeah. against. We won't count that on our pickups. <laughs> um, <laughs> now we go to the one fight that we were different on, and I got a point, right? You did. <laughs> you are, we're almost tied now. 
<laughs> so the one fight that we were different on, because I thought that Maya would be better, but she's not. Um, so now you're 21 and 22, and I'm 22 and 21. Ooh. It is very close. Crazy. <laughs> but I will say this, though, about that fight. Um, Caitlin Jugagian defeating Jennifer Maya via unanimous decision. Jugagian did mm -hmm. earn the infamous 10th straight UFC, 10th UFC victory by decision. So no, still no finishes so far. So no crazy thing for me that'll be coming up. Although she was really close in the second round to submitting Maya. But um, surprisingly, like we know Jugagian has been more known for her distance striking and, and basically, basically her, so her kicks distance striking and just like keeping the distance but she like went in there and like wrestled with Jennifer Maya who is known as a submit has been known we haven't seen in a whole lot but she has some pretty nasty submissions so the fact that Keegan Chiegian just went in there and right. completely did wrestling which we're not very she's not very well known for I think she added a new element to her game that could be dangerous for opponents in the upcoming future. I I think so too. She needs a little more practice at it to refine some of those skills, but for her to kind of branch out and, and do that, um, I don't know, shows how much you want it, you know? Right. She wants to be better. She's always working to be better like any UFC fighter should and hats off to her. Oh yeah. Good stuff. Very good stuff. What's not so good stuff though is now Caitlin Jugagian is a free agent. Um, mm. she that was her last fight on her contract. So very interested to see where the UFC goes and see like what our options are gonna be. Um mm -hmm. My personal preference is that they should re-sign her because look at what she's done since she's been UFC. She's only lost three times in the UFC, um, once at Bantamweight, and then one split decision she suffered that I feel like she should have won that fight, um, which we'll talk about later on. And then, of course, yeah. the title fight with Valentina, which mm -hmm. I saw it coming, but Right. I want her to win that one, but right. we'll see. Is there is there any reason that the UFC wouldn't pick her back up? Yes. Yeah, so I was talking to someone about this the other day, and I asked, like, why do you think that Jukagian wouldn't be re-signed by the UFC? And a lot of people um, consider Caitlin Jukagian the gatekeeper of the women's Feather, sorry, not featherweight, of the women's flyweight division. And mm -hmm. so kind of look at it this way. Um, you remember uh, Liz Carmouche, right? Mm -hmm. So after her, it was actually after her title fight with Valentina, which I think so far, other than Jennifer Maya, she's the only one that has brought in let me think for a second. She's the only one other than Jennifer Maya to take Valentina Shevchenko to a decision in her title reign. Oh. 
what happens to Liz Carmouche right after she wins that fight? She, for some reason, gets cut from the UFC. The re- and a lot of people say the reason why was because she was defeating too many of them. And it's the same with Jugigian. They're, they're defeating too many of the prospects out there. Uh, mm-hmm. huh. so maybe they think, the prospects should step up their game that's what that's exactly what i was trying to say like have the prospects <laughs> up their game. like so basically you're saying you want to try to eliminate a potential threat for a prospect to get to a title shot well if you want to try to take out the champ you have to beat everyone i think the worst if you want to beat champ, you got to beat everyone that's basically that sits in front of you. And if there's someone who is basically a gatekeeper or basically test yourself against this gatekeeper or whoever it is, and you can fight the champ. If you can't get past the gatekeeper, what makes you think you're going to have a chance against the champ? Yeah, uh, I don't know that I have much more to add to that, but it doesn't, so if that were the case, then Amanda Nunez would have been cut a long time ago, or why are there different rules for women than in men? Good question. Um, although there's one, another, um, another thing that was brought to me was because Caitlin Jagan's style of fighting is boring, but if she's getting wins, who cares what your style of fighting is? What she's only lost, what, three times in the UFC and only two times in the last, but she's been in the UFC since. 2016 or 15, I can't remember. I think it's 2016. So she's been in the UFC for nearly six years now, and she only has three UFC losses out of however many wins. I think, no, she's 10 mm-hmm. and three, 10 and three in the UFC. That's a pretty respectable record. Yeah. The, the biggest question for her, I guess, is. Where is she going? As far as like who she would fight next in UFC or as far as yeah, or is is she gonna is she continually moving up or well, you know, right. is she gonna stay stagnant at the spot she's at? Uh, she's gonna stay stagnant for right now. She's right now number two in the flyweight division. The only mm-hmm. two people ahead of her are Jessica Andrade and Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, okay. from, from what I'm hearing is Andrade is going to move back to straw weights. So if when that happens, that would put Chigigian back at number one. Mm. Um, so, I mean, in all honesty, mm-hmm. although I could find it hard to sell it like the only other option for Jugagian is to either fight another up and coming prospect or maybe a contender 
or and I know it's not going to fly with a lot of people because the first fight wasn't that great but I mean she's proven except for a fight with Jessica Andrade that she is the basically the number one contender in a sense so have there's the rematch with Valentina I mean I'm pretty sure they're thinking it's not going to go the same way However, if Valentina were to lose her flyweight title to someone, that would open the door for Jugagian to get another shot. Of course, that's probably not going to happen for a long right. time. But So considering all you've said, then why, why are the rules different for women than they are for the men? That's a question that I really want to figure out myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you have what other. Is... I think it also uh, depends on star power too. Because if you look at it, like let's let's take Holly Holm for example. She's been at the top for so long, and they had no problems giving her title shots when she wins one or two more fights. Is it because Jugagian is not that? And it's surprising because of how high she is ranked up. It could be her style or it could just be just they don't. I think another thing is they fail to promote um, women's fighters in a sense. Like even look at Amanda Nunes, who is a double champ. Most of her reign as double champ, she was co-main event. Like she never really was a true main event. Mm -hmm. So I think the issue is that not a lot of there's not a lot of marketing going for these female fighters. And so if you're someone who doesn't really have, I guess that knockout power submission specialist of a style, then you're basically, eh. So I think that's probably the problem that's running into Chikagian. I would say though, if they do bring her back, there, there is one fighter I have in mind that she should fight. And if she beats her, then she should definitely get another shot, depending on what happens with Valentina. And that is, I think, that Jugagian should get that rematch with Jessica I. That would be the second time they fought or the third time? The second time. Mm. And it was close. Jessica I ended up winning it by a split decision. Mm. I could dig that. Oh, yeah. And I think I looked I'd back watch at, that again. I looked back at that fight too, and I felt like it could have gone either way, but I felt like it was more, I felt it was more that Jugagian won it, but maybe I, I would have to look at it one more time. I definitely would say they each won one round each. And I think it was that second round that was kind of a, it kind of depends on how you look at it which maybe I'll go look back at the scorecards, the, how, how each judge scored it and just go from there. But I definitely think that should be a fight to consider. Agreed. <laughs> but I think we've talked about, oh, that, that is my dream to talk about Caitlin Jugagian as much as I can. So <laughs> let's get right on to the next fight before we get more deeper into the rabbit hole. And that is Brendan Roy Val's split decision win over Rogerio Bontorin. Watching that, I didn't know who was going to win. Right? It was crazy. 
I was I actually I think I scored it wrong because I for some reason I was doing something and I wasn't really invested in it and I was like oh Roy, like every moment I like saw the fight was when Roy Val was dominating it's like oh he's got this in the bag and I heard split decision I'm like oh I must not have been paying much attention to this fight that's okay yeah they um I think they were both uh, exactly how we thought they were going to be uh, two guys that are like high energy really tough just just going at it and that was probably for me the best fight of the night oh yeah I think it ended up becoming fight of the night right or what's that did that fight end up getting fight of the night um I, I guess I'm not sure I didn't pay attention <laughs> it's okay I should have paid more attention to it um it might have yeah i'll look back into it i wouldn't see why it wouldn't be by the night but, um now we get to the fight that we were both wrong on on so many levels uh jake collier <laughs> defeating chase sherman be a submission a submission of all things too yeah it was I still am speechless about that. Same. Like, what? I was like, I watched the whole fight. I'm like, Sherman, what are you doing? <laughs> like, he had, he was, he was in complete control. And then all of a sudden, I think, I don't know if he had gotten knocked down. And then all of a sudden, it, it was just like that. Um, Collier had his, his arm, had the rear naked choke sunk in. I'm like, oh, don't tell me he's going to tap. And then tap, like, are you really? Are you serious? <laughs> Wimp. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, did not expect that fight to go away. It did. Um, great. Uh, I'll give props. Great win for Collier, but man, I'm disappointed. I'm I'm sorry, Chase Sherman, but I'm very disappointed in you on that performance. Boo. It's like, it, it, it's like uh, George St. Pierre once said, I am not impressed by your performance. <laughs> Although his, that was actually, yeah, that was not his best. Wait, I said not impressed by your performance. Yeah, definitely not impressed by the performance. Is that your best George St. Pierre accent? Well, let me find out. <clears throat> <laughs> I, I want to say the full quote. I'm happy you won, Matt but I'm not impressed by your performance. So that's how it, although I can do this one. Uh, are you intoxicated or something? <laughs> his little quote to Michael Bisping with his rambling. Right. Uh, th that trash uh, talk between Bisping and GSP was probably my favorite of all time. Favorite of all time? Okay, maybe not, like I'd say top five. <laughs> And whenever on Twitter someone has a bad MMA take, I will put that video of George St. Pierre saying, are you intoxicated or something? <laughs> That'll be my new thing. Well, that, that's the thing I've been doing for a while, but I love that quote. <laughs> so I can do a pretty good GSP impersonation, but you can. Good stuff. It was good. It, it sounded good from my end. Oh, thank you. It's almost like GSP is right here in my bedroom 
recording with me? It's almost, it's almost like I'm looking at him. <laughs> well, I, I need to shave all my hair off and then maybe I can pull it off. <laughs> the GSP does have hair now, so I'll just see what his hairstyle looks like and maybe I'll imitate it. I, I'm sorry, but that's not the only thing that you're going to need to do. I know, I know. <laughs> I need more muscles. <laughs> I, need to, I need to wear like a karate gi too. I like know. I... <laughs> <laughs> but I just renamed this episode "How to How to Look Like Gs in Five Easy Steps." Oh, okay. Kidding. Yeah. Um, main event though, very surprising. But although with Calvin Cater, I was impressed by his performance. It, was there even a fight that happened? That was bad. Yeah, one. Well, I would say more of a one-sided fight that happened. Yeah. That was that was more like Calvin Cater versus. Who can I even put down here? Yeah, I don't even know who you could even compare, how you can compare that. Because Calvin, not Calvin Cater, Giga Chikazi, the, that was not the Giga Chikazi that we're known for, that, we've, that we're used to seeing. He, yeah, he just, he just got beat up. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took, he blocked every punch with his face. Yep. I don't think I've ever seen him look worse after a fight. I don't think I have either. I mean, that was a bloody mess. I'd probably just say that was probably, um, so I know he had lost in the contender series and then he had to work his way back up, but that was probably I'd have to say it was probably his worst performance of his career, at least as far as I know. Definitely. And, and I don't, I never like saying that because I don't, I don't want it to seem like Qatar didn't, didn't have a fantastic fight. Right. But, but geez, Louise, mm-hmm. that was, think- that was not good. I think what really helped Calvin Cater was so he did he he actually fought in the very first card at the beginning of last year too against Max Holloway. Hold on one second. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, and that was probably Calvin Cater's worst performance ever. Like that, the way he was getting pieced up by Max Holloway, right? Was just completely brutal. So I think what he did, what was smart, and I did see this floating around on Twitter was he took the six months, like some fighters usually take like a six month medical suspension before they fight again. He took mm-hmm. that full six months and he was in the gym, like he actually allowed his body to rest and he looked and he made sure that he looked at everything regarding that Max Holloway fight where he made a mistake. And I think that's probably the biggest jump of improvement I've seen from a fighter that was absolutely brutally beaten to 
brutalized, brutally beating someone else, that's mm-hmm. quite that's quite the jump for a fighter. Well, he's he was successful. Yeah, successful in more ways than one. Sometimes rest, though. I mean, just even in jujitsu, doing that mm-hmm. five or six hours a week for me, like I rested a week where I just didn't go. And I was much more refreshed. My body was more refreshed. Right. And as you get older, it takes longer to heal. So, yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. Um. So we'll actually have a question on Giga Jigazi here in a bit. Um. Cater, I think. I think you compete for a title. I mean, it'll depend on how this year goes and how many more fights he'll have. But I would probably say if he keeps this up. I could see him competing for the title probably late this year, maybe early next year. Mm-hmm. Where? What's his ranking? Cater uh, went to this fight rank number five. Uh, so I think he might have been bumped up to four. Mm-hmm. Here, hold on one second. I'll check. Huh? Yeah, I want to say it was four. It might be, he might have yeah, got four. I, I think that he's still number five. Um, yeah, I would think but so. have, have the new rankings come out yet? Yeah, they should. I saw that um, Roy Val is now actually tied with Alex Perez for fourth. So the new rankings should be out now. Okay. Yeah, I think that he is. Um, He's still at number five. He's still number five. Because it's at, it's Volkanovsky, Holloway, Ortega, Rodriguez, Sung Young. I hope I pronounced oh, it right. And the then, Korean zombie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Qatar. So okay. he's still he's still sitting pretty at, at number five, but yeah. With the way he um, beat up. Giga, I could see him going after any of the top the guys in the top four. I don't know if he's going to be somebody that could contend with um, Volkanovski, mm-hmm. but any given day, right? Right. Yeah. You, you think uh, Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, is set to face Alex Volkanovski in a couple months? Holloway was supposed to fight, was actually supposed to fight that fight, but he ended up getting scrapped. Um, Ortega's coming off of his title loss, and then Pierre Rodriguez is coming off of his fight with Max Holloway. So I would say, and I think this is floated around, I think Cater, I think a good fight for him would be Brian Ortega. Yeah, that... I think that is a good fight. I'm anxious to see how the Korean zombie does. Uh-huh. Um, I think that he would probably maul Cater, but I'm, I thought that Giga would be closer too. So, right. 
yeah. Ortega would be a good fight. Yeah, and I think for that one, depending on how Bulk versus the Korean Zombie goes, if Cater were to win that one, you could definitely make a case for him being the next title challenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless they give it to Hallway first. So that's kind of why I said that if Cater is going to fight for the title, it would probably be like late 2022, sure. early 2023. Right. We'll see. Um, but that covers our predictions. Or not, wow, predictions. Our recap of UFC Vegas 46. Get it together, dude. Get it together. It's only our second one. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm, I'm rusty, so I apologize. <laughs> As is with my picks. But we have a big card coming up, although we were talking before we were on, and this card is, except for the two title fights, mostly eh. 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 So we decided to bring back a segment where we have our fighter to watch. So I will let you start to get your jits on. Who is your fighter to watch at UFC 270? My fighter to watch is, it's his debut, Michael Morales. He is a welterweight. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I think um, has pretty strong potential to move up um, in in that welterweight division. He fights out of Mexico and uh, he's he's mainly a a boxer Uh but he's he has a lot of nice wins under his his belt. Um, I'm just kind of interested to see what he's going to be able to do here. With that being yeah. said, I probably just jinxed him and <laughs> hopefully he wins. <laughs> yeah. We always root for our fighters to watch. Right, right. Although this is, I think, only the second or third time we've done this, so. Um, my fighter to watch is a women's flyweight fighter. Her name is Jasmine Jadspeditious. I hope I said that right. She is six and one in her pro career. She is from our neighbors up north in Canada way. Um, she has a 43% striking accuracy and a 57% grappling accuracy. In her career, she is 70 significant strikes landed out of 163 attempted. Um, she has a significant strike defense of 51%. And nice. when it comes to significant strikes in her career, 81% of them have gone to the head. Wow. Um, she was in the FTC promotion, which is a mixed martial arts promotion up in Canada way. Um, her prom- the fight that I want to highlight is that her fight in that promotion against Christina Ricker, which I know she had recently changed her last name to. So we'll just go Ricker because that's what the video said. She had a 52 second TKO 
which was head kick and punches. Her head kick landed about 20 seconds in the fight. And so the final 30 to 32 seconds were just uh, clinch knees, clinch elbows, punches. And she had this girl up on the up on the fence for a full 30 seconds until she just said, my body can't take any more of this and just collapsed. And the moment she collapsed, the ref's like, nope, this fight's over. So, wow. if, so if you want to see more of what Jasmine Jasvidicious is capable of, I suggest going on YouTube and searching up her fights. And that's Jasmine. And her last name is spelled J-A-S-V-I-D-A-B-I. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. J-A-S-U-D-A-B-I-C-I-U-S. Um, she is an excellent Muay Thai fighter, at least from what I got rather that she's probably more of a mixed martial artist, but it looks like most of her um, training came in the arts of Muay Thai. Uh, she could be a huge problem for Kay Hansen in that fight. Um, and I know right now Kay Hansen is a pretty decent favorite but I wouldn't sleep on that fight. Um, and this will be Jasmine's first, her UFC debut as well. Um, she actually got into the promotion by winning her fight on the Dana White Contender Series earlier this year, I believe, against Julia, Julia Polistari. Hmm. So, hmm. Hmm. if she can- I love her- those my, Muay Thai fighters. Such a great mixed martial art. If they had more time around here, I would definitely, I would definitely practice that. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so that's my fighter to watch. And with that choices, we we both have, and they're both making their UFC debuts too. So can't go wrong. They're both definitely not really known yet. Go, go, go. We ready for our UFC 270 predictions? I am. All right. So I went off of what I saw on the UFC website because the ESPN one is off a little bit. Uh-huh. There's one There's one fight they didn't take off. So we'll start off with, uh-huh. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try my best I can. Roadloff, Road Olaf. No, I'm totally Russian. Rod, <laughs> Rod Olfo. We'll go with that. Vieira. Rudolfo. Rudolfo Vieira. And I think we talked about him um, back in the 2021 episode. Because I'm pretty yeah. sure it's the second covered him. But he's going up against Wellington Terman. <laughs> Anytime I hear Wellington, I think Beef Wellington. And that makes me hungry. <laughs> <sighs> Wellington uh, Terman is going to get his butt beat by Rodolfo Vieira. Ooh, all right. Let's hear this. <laughs> uh, Rodolfo is a savage. Mm-hmm. Wellington is trying to look tough based on his photo, but he's not. <laughs> <laughs> No, Rudolfo is just so aggressive and he has great strikes. He has a great ground game. I just don't, I don't, I should 
not make fun of Wellington because I haven't watched a lot of his fights. Right. But, um, and he, he seems like kind of a, a well-rounded kind of guy, um, has some endurance associated with him, but Vieira, Vieira is just a really great grappler. And oh, yeah. I think that um, getting Terman on the ground is just going to be ugly. All right. So I don't see that see Terman winning this, but and I don't I haven't picked him. I didn't pick him to win. Right. Um, for me, it looks like an even match on paper, but. Yeah, both both men, most of their wins have come by submission, but yeah, Vieira is just a beast. All, mm-hmm. all of his fights have never gone to the distance. So he is either, I think he's only got one loss so far. Or his, yeah, his only loss has come by submission. Um, mm-hmm. But in all of his wins, has never gone to decision. He's either made you tap out or he has knocked you out, although he has mostly tapped you out before you could get knocked out, basically. So I agree with you. He is the, the dude's a the dude's a beast. Um, and so with that said, I agree with every one of your points. And I also have a Vieira winning. And I have him winning by his most well-known finish, the submission. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Next, we have Cody Stamen versus Sad Nurmagomedov. Um, this is going to be interesting at Bantamweight. Uh, Stamen has been a big staple in the Bantamweight division. Um, and whenever you hear the last name Nurmagomedov, you know it's going to be interesting. Right. Right. Um, he is very talented, although... I found this out today that Sayed has hasn't fought in, since October of 2020, so he's been out for a while. And wow, question is is that going to make a difference? Because Stamen has been known to be very active, although he is currently on a two fight losing streak. Um, mm-hmm. And you know what? Let me before I continue on. Yeah, I will actually talk about this more later on. Um, but for the time being, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Sad Nargomamadov wins, but I think it's going to be a very, very hard fought decision. Hmm. You know, I think that Stamen has uh, excellent takedown defense. Um, I think that he leaves it in the hands of the judges a little too often for my liking. Um, I think that Nirma, now I can't pronounce it. Nirmagomedov. Uh, just has a larger skill set. The fancy stuff, though, that he does may leave him a little bit more vulnerable. Uh, to to Stamen in terms of of attack, um, especially in in takedowns. So, I I am going with 
Nirmaga Madoff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, just because I think that he's just a little bit better developed. Right. Uh, so that brings us to our next fight, Michelle Perea versus Andre Falaho. Fialo. Let's go with that. Falaho, Fialo. I don't know. Hello. <laughs> there was a video. There was a video of him today. He brought his dog to the UFC, um, like to all the UFC stuff, and it was very adorable. Good lord. So he, he 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 might be winning me over a little bit. Yeah. I'll, I'll pull up the video later. Um, yeah, um, this fight was actually supposed to happen last week, but ended up getting rescheduled. Um, I don't remember why. I don't think it had anything to do with protocols or anything. I think they just decided to move the fight. Um, mm -hmm. Andre will be making his UFC debut, and man. It's a hell of a fight to start off with. <laughs> no kidding. You have to go, go up against Michelle Perea for your first UFC fight. The dancing, the dancing MMA man. Yeah. The guy who has the crazy strikes that can hit you. He can pretty much throw anything at you. So you just have to be prepared for basically anything. Oh, hilarious. Um but Andre does have um, a notable win on his belt, despite this being his UFC debut. He was the man that retired James Vick. Yeah. Back at, um, it was a promotion called XMMA1. And he, I think it was like an elbow and just completely flatlined him. And that was James Vick's last fight in professional mixed martial arts. That means nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With it being James Vick, that could probably mean nothing, especially since he ended his he ended his career, I think, on a five fight losing streak. So, yeah, yeah, it didn't count. <laughs> but that win is, doesn't count. Uh, he is currently though on a four fight winning streak, so he has that going for him. But of course, you're going against Michelle Perea. And that's yeah, that's a battle on its own. He he's about to break his streak. You think so? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm confident. <laughs> I'm confident. Uh, he could surprise. So I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be picking Pereira as well. But don't be surprised if Andre ends up hanging in there a little bit. I am never surprised. <laughs> Like in our like our last episode before the new year, we are surprised. <laughs> but now that we got the all those fights out of the way, we have our two title fights coming up after this. And the first one is competed at flyweight between Brandon the trilogy fight between Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueredo. Mm -hmm. That. Mm -hmm, Try saying that five times fast. I can't even say it one time slowly. <laughs> um, <laughs> here's a fun little stat for you regarding this fight. This is the first trilogy in which both fighters have fought back to back to back. Oh, really? Mm hmm. 
why? Uh, let's see. So the first fight ended in a draw. And so it was obviously they had to run it back. And then Moreno won the second fight. Although Moreno was supposed to fight, I'm actually down here. He was supposed to fight Pantoja, but Pantoja wasn't going to be ready. And so, mm. it, although I don't know if this, to be honest, I'm not sure if this is really worth a trilogy right away because Davison Figueredo never won a fight. He fought to a draw and then by virtue of a draw, he had to, like, he was, he was able to retain the belt. So he never right. technically beat Moreno in both fights. So this is interesting. He's, he's not going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually right there with you. I don't think he's going to do it again. Um, I, can we expect any adjustments to Figgy's game? Probably, but I think Brandon Moreno is the real deal. And I think he's going to be champion yeah. for a little bit longer. I do too. I mean, that, that guy's just always working. He has great, great ground game. Um, just act, his activity alone is, is, is great. He's got great striking ability. And Figurito, Figurito, whatever that is. Figurito, Figurito, Figurito. Figurito, um, you know, this one punch at a time, BS is just not going to work for him. Just say the full word. On any level. <laughs> Do I need to get you a BS button so you can just say that on the air? I know. I should. <laughs> just punch my BS button. Um, I did... Um, while thinking about this, um, I think it was Moreno that said this, and it was because someone mentioned to me that when he got punched by Davison, he was like, eh. Like, so does he really, like, have any real, like, so I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, the fact that Figueredo has been, like, knocking people down, the fact that he receives a punch from him, he's like, eh. Like, that shows you the toughness of Moreno himself. I know, but when you look at, Figurito strike though it doesn't look very powerful. Mm-hmm. That's true. Honestly, hmm. so I don't know who's who he's knocking over toddlers or what. <laughs> or maybe the <laughs> maybe the flyweights just don't have that muscular endurance yet. Or maybe yeah, he's still fighting. Lot... Good. A a lot a lot of um. A lot of that, that the lightweights and the flyweights, all they are is boxers. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, so we both have Moreno winning this fight? Yeah, I can't see it going any other way. Uh. What is your method of victory? I think he's going to knock him out Ooh. in the second round. 
second Knock- round TKO. Ooh, I like that. I kind of like that. I have Moreno yeah. winning. I think it's going to go a little bit longer than the second fight, mm-hmm. but shorter mm-hmm. than the first fight. I have Moreno winning by fourth round submission. Whoa. That's intense. Like you kind of saw the weaknesses of Figueredo when it came to the ground, and I think Moreno's going to exploit that again. Yeah, that's true. But Who knows what Figueredo's working on, though? That's true. That is very true. Mm-hmm. All right, but we have reached our main event, and I think it's time we bring in our very special guest to talk about Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gaon. So let's get in that, let's bring him on and see what he has to say about our main event of the evening. All right, FKTC crew here to break down the UFC Heavyweight Championship Unification bout is the legendary Rhino from the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast. How are you doing today, my friend? Oh, we're doing great, dude. Thank you so much for having me on. This is going to be fun. Oh, lots of fun. (laughs) All right. So normally how we do this is that we talk about a little about the fight. We like break it down just a little bit. So as a former boxer yourself, what does both Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gaon bring to the table? Well, well, clearly right now, this is one of the, the times in the UFC where we really do have the two best heavyweights going at the going at the belt at the same time obviously one is yeah. to me is the real champion with Francis Ngannou I don't know this whole contract dispute is what kind of prompted the uh, interim belt being given over to Cyril for his win uh, again to me they are two miles ahead of everybody else in the UFC heavyweight division right now um, as far as skill set as far as how they actually perform in cage on fight night so if you're going to look at the two of them, Ty and Laurel, you look at things like their last five fights. At least that's what I do when I break down what mm-hmm. I'm looking at for a prediction. You look at Francis's last five. He KO'd Stipe in the second. He finished Rosenstrike in the first. Finished JDS in the first. Finished Kane Velasquez in the first. And finished Curtis Blades in the first. So you're looking at a pattern there. You're talking about the the, the incredible power that he brings to the table, even with some phenomenal names like that. Rosenstrike, phenomenal K1 fighter. Stipe, longest reign ever in the history of the heavyweight division. JDS, longtime champion. Cain Velasquez, former champion. Curtis Blades, phenomenal wrestler. He took care of all those guys within a round and then Stipe in the second. So if you're looking at what he's bringing to the table, it is early stoppages, it is pure power, it is incredible speed. It is a striking that we have probably never seen before and may not see again. You flip it over to Cyril Gaon, you're looking at a guy who is, I mean, incredible technique. People think that, oh, well, he's got 10 MMA fights. That's awesome. He's 10 and 0. You have to remember, too, he's got so much experience, not only in Muay Thai, but in kick, regular kickboxing. So his striking is very technical. Uh, he doesn't have the power that Francis does, but he really gets the job done. Look at his last five fights. Uh, he got the ground and pound on Derek Lewis in the third. He beat Volkov by UD, beat Rosenstrike by UD, beat JDS by a second round elbow, and then beat Tanner Bosser by UD. So he's got three decisions in his last five, as opposed to the very quick stoppages by Francis Ngannou. Um, If you look at the both of those guys, they're both the same height. 
They're both, you know, six, four, they both have 83 inch reach. Francis is a little bit bigger. He weighed in 13 or 14 pounds ever in their last fight. Cyril's 31. Francis is 35. But a lot of those intangibles are very spot on and similar. So you look at the other things away from it. And again, you look at the technique and the prowess of Cyril Ghosn on the feet. And then you have the incredible unforeseen, un unmatched power of Francis Ngannou. Right. Uh, and Francis Ngannou, I think he has really good technique too. And one of the things I feel like makes him so powerful, even though he drops his hands a little bit, which I'm always leery of, but his hip movement, the way he gets that lower body in to, to get extra power behind that punch makes him really just kind of a striking force to, to deal with. But I think that uh, both guys are good at ground and pound. And one of the things that strikes me about both guys is their massive strength just gives them the ability to submit anyone from any position. And I think that's really unique in the USD. Oh yeah. Um, I think one, one thing that I've found very interesting about Cyril Gaon is that not very many heavyweight fighters are known for their clinching and Cyril Gaon does, oh, well, he hasn't real, we haven't really gotten to see his submission work as much as we've as much in the UFC he has that ability to take you down and as we saw with uh, Francis Ngannou in their first fight with in his first fight with Stipe Stipe mostly used the ground game to slow down he pretty much weathered Francis like you said Rhino like he Francis known for his get in get out and collect the paycheck get out of there but Stipe weathered the storm in that first fight the point where Francis Ngannou like just wasted all his energy and then he started just like wrestling him because he knew he could take him down and so I think that's one thing I think Cyril Gaon really brings to the table is that if he can weather the storm for that first or second for the first second round he could definitely wear out Ngannou a little bit. I think if you look at what might possibly happen that none of us really have been talking about too much is should this fight go to the ground who has the advantage there well we really don't know how much Francis has improved. He's got one submission uh, over Anthony Hamilton a long time ago, but for the most part, we haven't seen him too much on the ground, especially lately. Uh, Cyril Gaon can go to the ground and does have some submissions on his record. I think he's got three. I believe he has three on his record. I don't know if they were any in the UFC, but um, so he has a little bit more of a diverse skill set as far as on the ground that's been proven. But as far as we know that they've both been training their asses off for this fight, that's guaranteed. Both have really high work ethic, very smart guys, very hardworking guys. Francis Ngannou, I believe, has worked a lot on the ground should it go there. I don't particularly anticipate that it will, but should it should it happen to hit the, hit the floor, I think Francis Ngannou is going to be well-prepared and well-versed to uh, handle whatever Cyril Ghosn has for him down there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, Rhino, what do you think – So. We'll talk a little bit about Francis Ngannou and what are, I know he's like improved leaps and bounds, especially with that second Stipe fight, being able to control and not make sure he doesn't go to the ground. What are some of Francis Ngannou's strengths and what are some of his weaknesses? Against, against everything that this, this man has gone through in his life, there is no possible way that he has any sort of, uh, where he's going to have fear or he's going to be scared about not performing well. That's one of the biggest things as a fighter that 
you have to overcome. And you hear it time and time again, not just guests on my show, but guests who, or fighters who talk about it on other shows. It's the mental game that has to be sharpened. There is no way you can get a mental edge on Francis Ngannou having walked in his shoes, having lived the life that he has lived, having overcome what he's overcome. So for, for sure, Francis Ngannou is going to have the mental uh, edge to me, in my opinion, over Cyril Gan in this fight without question. Obviously, the power, unmatched power uh, in Cyril, I'm sorry, in uh, Francis Ngannou over Cyril. And then I think the I think the speed as far as getting from fist to face, I think is faster for Francis than it is for Cyril. Cyril is more of a uh, angle fighter where he gets in the right angle, he'll pop a couple jabs at you, pop a one-two, and then move off. Uh, Francis will throw a four or five or six punch combination really fast and you know how much heat they have. So I think his, his fist to face <laughs> speed is faster than Cyril Gans. Um, as far as weaknesses go, I'm not giving Francis a, to, to me. I think he has shored up the one weakness that he had. And that was um, the mental block, which we saw against Derek Lewis. You know what I mean? After he's coming off his loss, I think he was too scared to pull the trigger. I think he was too scared to engage. I think that's all water under the bridge i don't see any weaknesses for francis Ngannou besides possibly you know in cage experience because he's had so many fights that have gone so quickly so that's where i would say i would say francis Ngannou's biggest strengths are his mental tenacity and his physical strength um and then his only weakness i see in this fight being uh just his lack of in in cage experience and in fighting the way that Cyril gone has over him right well, one of the things, too, that I think that Gon is going to have an issue with, a lot of his fights have been slower paced. And if Francis brings the heat in the first round, I think that might be a potential problem for him. Yeah, I definitely can see that. Um, because, yeah, we know Nganu has been more of, like, the quick. And so, Gon, we haven't really seen him, like, yeah, he, his last fight, he was able to finish Derek Lewis in the third round. But yeah, like just watch, especially watching that fight with Derek Lewis, it took him a while. To me, at least, it, looked, it took him a while to get going. And it wasn't until Derek Lewis basically was gassed out towards the end of the second, early third, was when Gon decided to go for it. And I think that's going to be a factor and see what happens if Gon can weather that storm. And so with that being said, Rhino, for Cyril gone, what are some of his strengths and some of his weaknesses? Oh, his, first of all, his technique is incredible. Uh, to be 6'4 and two, essentially 250 pounds and to be able to move that light on your feet. Yeah. It, footwork is something that doesn't get talked about a lot. It doesn't get really looked at a lot. But, you know, Francis does not have great footwork. At least we haven't seen it. We haven't. He hasn't needed it. But Cyril Gan really has very light footwork, obviously coming from the Muay Thai background where they're very light on their feet. They cut a lot of really sharp angles. Uh, to me, that's a major strength of Cyril Gan is, is his footwork. He's a very patient fighter. He won't storm in. You know, he will wait for his shots. He will counter. He will jab and try to stay on the outside uh, if he can. So obviously, you know, his technique is as big to me. His technique is his biggest strength. His experience in combat sports, like I said, I don't know the exact number, but he's had a ton of Muay Thai and kickboxing experience prior to his MMA, um, his MMA run here. So his in his in ring and in cage experience really is an advantage for him. Um, that that being said, dude, well, I'll, okay, so wait, I'll wait till you guys do on your thing before we get into our predictions. 
<laughs> no worries. <laughs> no worries. Um, so we'll kind of cover a little bit since this kind of does end <clears throat> the predictions. Um, so we kind of know Francis Ngannou's strength. So I'm curious to hear, Rhino, Cyril, and I'm going to say it in this format, Cyril Gon is the new heavyweight champion if he does what? Manages to stay away from every hard strike that Francis Ngannou throws. Um, pretty much stays on his bike the entire time and stays away, stays away, cuts off and makes it a pretty boring fight where he stays on the outside and just chips away with jabs and maybe some leg kicks and stays away from all true engagement. I wondered about that because he does throw quite a few leg kicks during a match. You think that will keep Francis at bay as far as getting that multiple or that first burst of striking in? It would be smart. It would be smart to try to throw some leg kicks. You know, the, mm -hmm. uh, the problem is when you throw a leg kick, oftentimes you're setting yourself to be overhand at the overhand, right. Hit you right. in the face. So I don't know how, how quick he's going to be to pull the, pull the leg kicks out. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, to me, it would be smart move on his part, but I, I'd be a little weary about doing it also. Uh, since we kind of know what happens, we just want to hear it right now. Francis Ngannou maintain become stays heavyweight championship if he does what? Uh, he just does what he always does. He he comes forward. He throws um, punches and bunches. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to see Francis Ngannou come out and throw a one or a one two and then step off. I want to see him move forward, throw you know five, six, seven punch combo because it only takes one. Even if it's not going to knock Cyril out, it's going to hurt him really bad and make him kind of, you know, not want to engage. And when someone's afraid, that's when you're at your most vulnerable and Francis could storm in. I think he finishes Francis. I'm sorry. I think Francis finishes Cyril via strikes and it's going to be early. Yeah. So what, I guess now with that said, what are our predictions for this UFC um, unification bout at the heavyweight division? I think Laurel should go first. All right. <laughs> I always go against the grain, but this time I just, I, as much as I uh, like different guys winning every year, I just, I think Francis is too far at the top for, for, for anyone else to catch him right now. And I think that, that, that he's going to be the winner. Method of victory. Um, I'm going to say it goes decision. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. How about you, Rhino? Uh, I am going absolutely unequivocally Francis Ngannou, uh, TKO in the second. I'm actually calling my shot, which, um, I think what's going to happen. I think it's going to be a pretty, a fairly close first round. I think, I think they'll both have their, their time where they're getting what they want done, done. I think Francis will move forward and hurt Cyril a couple of times. I think Cyril will, um, you know, angle off. And I think he'll be able to stick Francis with a few jabs and maybe bloody his nose, maybe, you know, put a cut over his eye or something. But when it comes to that second round, I've got Francis Ngannou literally um, knocking Cyril gone back into the cage, getting him up against the cage and then finishing him with uppercuts from the standing position and, and zero gone falling down and out. So I've got, I got KO in the second against the cage 
from Francis Ngannou punching Cyril Gan. Right. I think you've dreamed about this. <laughs> many, <laughs> many was, nights, my friend. Many nights. I that, that was very vivid. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here for all of it, by the way. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say Nanganu. And just thinking about this fight and looking at it, like, there's no doubt that Sorogan deserves to be where he is. But I'm just getting that shades of Ninganu versus Overeem battle with this one. So I think it's going to be a devastating right hook first round knockout for Francis Ninganu. Oh my gosh. As, as he's escaping the clinch from gone. <laughs> so I think that's all we've got. I want to thank you, Rhino, for jumping in to cover our UFC heavyweight championship unification bout. Let our FKTC crew know where they can find you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you very much, Ty and Laurel. Combat Sports with Rhino. We're on every major platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah, give us a check out. We, uh, I believe this coming weekend is going to be episode 111, I believe, or 110. Wow. Yeah, I think it's 111 wow. coming up. So yeah, we're, uh, we're a little over two years now into it. And uh, We've got a really cool guest ready, as as we try to always have. We've got a very cool guest uh, coming on this week. Uh, Drea brings her world-famous Drea's drop of the night. I try to bring uh, what I bring to the table, and we have a great time. So I hope you guys uh, enjoy and give us, a, give us a listen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. You guys have a good rest of your day. All right, you too. And that is our predictions for UFC 270 with a special guest helping us break down the main event that is Nagano versus Gone, Rhino from the Combat Sports with Rhino. So make sure you go check them out on that podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether it be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or just anywhere. Maybe even Anchor if you want to. <laughs> Are we ready for the forum? We are ready for the forum. Bring it on. Remind me to come up with some like good music for when we introduce the forum. Like some kind of like intent. Like here is the FKTC forum. How about ah. the, the, the intro to 300 or something? Oh, I'll see if I can do that. Like yeah. some kind of like some kind of like Spartan theme, some kind of right. war theme, basically. That'd be perfect. Yes. But let's do this. I think we start with our Twitter forum questions, if you would like to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So our first one comes from Ashley from the Silver Little Podcast. Ashley, please return the podcast airwaves soon before I get to your question, because I miss your show. <sighs> but she writes, what is your fight for Dark Horse for UFC 270? Are you gonna go first? I can go first. Or I can go first. I can go first. Go. If you go. All right. So you go. I'm going to you pick, go. I'm gonna pick the first fight on this card. 
Um, I talked a little bit about Jasmine. Let me go back to make sure I got it said correctly. Um, Jasmine Jazvedicious. Her fight with Kay Hansen <laughs> is my dark horse. Um, Kay Hansen is coming off the loss to Corey McKenna. And Hansen is, hasn't, been, hasn't fought in, in over a year as well. Her last fight came November 14th, 2020. She was supposed to fight Cheyenne Velismus in March of last year, but the fight fell through. So with everything I talked earlier about Jasmine and with Kay Hansen coming off of the year layoff, I think this is going to be a very sneaky good fight. So if you're one of those fighters that likes to watch the prelims, like our good friend, ooh, like our good friend Minnie Sonnen says, mm-hmm. always watch the prelims because you never know what's going to happen. And so that's right. Kay Hansen versus Jasmine Jadsvedicious is my dark horse candidate for UFC 270. <sighs> I'm I'm going to be this person. But my my dark horse is Cyril gone because I just think that he has some probable some improbable chance to win this. I just think that if anyone's going to surprise us in this entire. 270 event it's him mm-hmm. that's fair mm-hmm. I mean I didn't pick him to win but I'm having a few regrets <laughs> about not picking him so I I'm naming him my dark horse that way I win either way <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it that's a very good way to put yeah. it all right. All right. Our next Twitter question comes from our friend Cakes at Derby C eight K three. She Hi, wants Cakes. to. Yes, hello, Cakes, our friend of the show. Every time we put out a forum, she almost always gives us a question, and we love that. Be more like Cakes. She's fantastic. Oh, she's very fantastic. But her question is, what is your favorite fight of 2022 so far? Huh. Well, and it can, be from, it can be from any organization, she says. Yeah, I saw that. Um, <laughs> I think my favorite fight so far is uh, the Roy Val fight, last week's fight. Okay. I think that's been probably the best so far this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot to pick from because I know UFC has only had one event. I think there were some other organizations, but I think one championship had some, but I didn't get a chance to watch mm-hmm. any of the one fights because they're on at a god awful time for me. Because I think they're they're mm-hmm. on when I was at work and like uh good luck watching that. Um, so I'd say my favorite fight is. I'm going to do a cop-out. I say Calvin Cater versus Giga Chikadze just because of Cater's performance. Mm. You know, if I were really being true to my gym, um, our guy Vifa just fought at the uh, Ralston Arena in Omaha. 
for mm-hmm. the for the title belt. Okay. And one, and then our other guy Rudy, it was his first fight, and he won. So maybe I should have picked those guys as my my favorite fight of the year so far. I take it. It go only seems to make sense. Go 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 for it. Go for it. I'm go changing for it. my selection. Go for it. Yeah. Thank you for your support. Of course. <laughs> if I could change mine, I'd probably change it to like any Twitter war I got with someone in, in with someone. And then my only res- my, my only response would be to play the rock and him saying, shut up, beep. <laughs> I'll allow it. All right. I don't think I've gotten to many Twitter fights with people though lately. I should really do. Mostly I'm just like, okay, cool, whatever. But what that being you shouldn't I shouldn't shouldn't waste your time on you shouldn't waste your time on things that aren't real life. (laughs) That is true. That's why sometimes (laughs) that that's why I ignore it about 90% of the time. Exactly. I ignore all negative Twitter engagement 90% of the time, unless unless it's for playful banter, like I did the other day, where I was making yeah. fun of someone because they wanted the Yankees banter and they were defending the Rockies. I'm like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? I beg your pardon. <laughs> and I'm not a Rockies fan, but I cannot stand the Yankees. It's like, you're... De- why just why um all right so we do have one voice question and it comes from juice from the friendly sparring podcast who is another person that almost always gets a question for us so let's find out what juice has to say what's up fktc crew this is juice from the friendly sparring podcast and my question for you is, is Giga a fraud? I mean, really? He's out here parading as if he invented the liver kick. Motherfucker, first of all, it's a technique that has existed for, I don't know, let's call it centuries. But also, you know who else was really popular for throwing liver kicks? Boss Rutten. Going back to the Pancrase days. <laughs> so get fuck out of here, dude. Anyways, besides that, he was taught as this amazing striker from Glory, and his first, like, four or five fights in the UFC, he was decisioning people. And and that's fine. Like, I don't mind a decision, but if you're going to, you know, be touted as this amazing striker, you better fish some people. And look what happened. Cater gave him the business. So, yeah, he's a fraud. What are your thoughts? No, I'm not going to call him a fraud. I just believe that he ran into an inspired Cater. And I firmly believe that Giga was looking ahead, thinking Cater would be an easy win. Not so fast, my friends. My advice to Giga Chikati, stop looking ahead and look what's in front of you before you decide to parade. And like, oh, I'll be fighting for the title next, blah, blah, blah. Fight your opponent first and then worry about the title shot. So not a fraud, just a little too cocky and overconfident. 
Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he's, he is or was the, the number eight fighter in the division. Maybe he did get ahead of himself. They all do. They all talk crap. So this time he just couldn't back it up. Nope. Such a shame, such a shame. Such so, a shame. Thank you, Juice, for your question. Be sure to check out Juice and Leo on the Friendly Sparring Podcast on all your favorite podcasting platforms or, or your favorite podcasting platform, whichever you just your heart desires. But that does it for the Twitter forum. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. You're all very wonderful. And we hope to hear from more of you soon. Yes. But now we get into our FKTC topic of the week. And I'll come up with some music for that too. So hold on, here we go. Drum roll, please. Nunez is leaving American Top Team. Crazy. After her stunning loss to Juliana Pena, Nunez is leaving American Top Team and planning to start her own gym. Nia Nunez is also joining her. I'm very interested that she is leaving. Um, I saw a tweet earlier this week from Alex, and I would try, we'll, we'll call him Alex B, because I cannot pronounce that last name for the life. Um, brought up that she left her gym, her old gym for ATT after the Zangano loss. So there's kind of a pattern here that when she, now there's a little bit of a pattern here that now she's lost, she's ditching a gym. Um, can this be bad for Nunes or does she need a fresh start? And we are going to start with get your jits on. She needs a fresh start. She was obviously uh, unprepared in her last fight on some level, and maybe that was mental. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was physical. Maybe it was physical, right. whatever you want to call it. But I think that after a loss is probably a good time to change gyms. And if she feels like she's done all she can in the UFC and maybe even feels like she's, gosh forbid, going downhill, oh boy. Yeah, start your own gym might not be a bad venture. Mm-hmm. I'm supportive. Hey, for being supportive. Um, I think it's, it's going to really depend on how her next fight goes. Now, I did hear earlier today that Juliana Pena wants to rebook the Nunes fight for some time this summer. So that gives, that gives Nunes quite a bit of time. That gives her at a minimum of six, five to six months to prepare for it. Um, so I think I'm not going to say it's bad for Nunes until I see what she does in her next fight. Yeah. If she comes out slow, then maybe, maybe not the best, maybe not the best move, especially because American Top Team has produced such great fighters and even some champions. You have mm-hmm. Jorge Masvidal, you have Dustin Poirier, um, 
Kayla Harrison fights at American Top Team. Um, Julian Robertson used to fight at American Top Team until she moved. Um, Colby Covington used to be there ugh, before he moved to his, uh, but he moved to a different gym in Miami. But American Top Team has been known to produce quite a bit of fighters. It's like, it's them, American Kickboxing Academy, and Jackson Wink. They're like the three more well-known gyms. So I find it surprising that Nunez would leave despite just a month. Like, it was her first setback in seven years. So I don't see it being a big problem. But, I mean, do what's best for you. I know a lot of fighters switch things up when things aren't going too well. And who knows? Maybe she needs it. Maybe she needs a little bit of a switch up. Well, the other thing is she's she's always just really seemed so professional to me. So maybe something happened that we aren't aware of and mm-hmm. she's just not blaring her business everywhere. That's another option. That could be true as well. So we are behind Nunez in her fresh starts. Heck yeah. I think this is something that we can keep going just to a FKTC topic of the week. Yeah, I like that. Just to, because we're looking for a fresh start too, because everyone does fight. <laughs> and with most of these fights, with most of these fights mostly like being canceled, it just, it isn't fair to our yeah. Right. So, with that said, I believe that is all we have for this evening. What? I know, so short. So Shameful. Short. I know. I mean, it'll probably, <laughs> it'll probably still be like an hour and a half with how much we've been talking. And especially, <laughs> especially with our almost 20 minutes discussion with Rhino. Oh, that's true. Wrong. So, just... <laughs> But in the meantime, feel free to send your question. I'm, I'm really hoping for a lot of questions because at the last pay-per-view card, we got tons and tons of questions. Let's hope for some That more. was fun. Yeah, that was fun. But maybe we'll- That was fun. You know, I just realized after this, paper, after this pay-per-view, there's no UFC the following week. They're off. <laughs> So maybe if you, they send enough questions, we can just do like a forum kind of thing at the very end. Well, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. fun. That'd be fun. So set, send your questions, send your voice questions. And if you have any comments, suggestions, anything we can do to improve this podcast to our, I think we have about a 20, like around a 20 member audience. Maybe, might be the same people. Not bad. But you can always reach us at the FKTC pod, or you can reach us both individually by finding Get Your Jits On at Rain Basin. And you can find me, Ty the Fly Guy, at TyFlyGuy15. Still debating. I said this on another podcast. I might be switching things up on my Twitter account. Just to eliminate some clutter. 
Let's just say that. Gasp. I know, right? Gasp. Maybe I'll go by Ty, the Fly Guy 15. No, it doesn't, <laughs> it, it doesn't, that doesn't ring really well. Maybe we'll just Maybe you could. Maybe instead of Ty Fly Guy, you could put um, Ty and then some Latin name of a fly. <laughs> oh, well, I, think, I, I got. I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> Do you know any Latin names of flies? No. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't. I do not. I have to research that. It'll be like, um, oh, what's that? I did. I did read something. Um, a scientific name today, and it was really. It was like something Madagascanus. And I was like, oh. what? Okay. <laughs> what, whatever, you should whatever. go with a you should go with the Tabanidae's Thai Tabanidae guy. What is a Tabanidae? <laughs> you have to look it up. Okay. They're I'll the flies with the coolest eyes. The Thai fly guy eye. Hey. But before I continue any further down this rabbit hole, protect your faces from Laurel's kicks and protect your necks from my throat cuddles. And what is our number one golden rule? Never leave the decision in the hands of the judges. So we'll probably be back next week, depending on how many questions we get. We'll probably still do anyways. We'll do like something fun, but we'll keep you updated. But until then, we will see you all next week. Bye.